Hey everyone. If you like this podcast, go behind the paywall to get privileged access to the smartest minds in finance. Visit realvision.com slash rvpod and use the promo code podcast10. That's podcast10 to get 10% off our essential membership for the first year. Join the Real Vision community and learn how to become a better investor. And now to the top analysis of today's markets. The signals are telling me that inflation will soon be gone, but your job might be gone too. That is the sad message in this live edition of Steno Signals. Uh, we are going to elaborate on the inflation evidence that we've gathered over the week and why falling inflation could be an issue for corporate profits. So uh, let's have a look at the data incoming over the week to get um, an overview of the inflation pressures around the West, because I think we find new compelling evidence that inflation is waning fast now and that inflation will soon be gone as a topic in financial markets. Uh, this week, we had the inflation number from May out of Europe. And if we look at European inflation relative to the US inflation picture on the first chart I've brought today, we're now clearly seeing a pattern of European inflation catching down to the trends that we've seen in the US over the past quarter or two. This week, European inflation surprised um, clearly to the downside of expectations. And it was a pretty broad-based picture across the uh, European continent. German inflation surprised on the low side of expectations. French inflation surprised on the low side of expectations. And only in Italy, uh, inflation increased relative to what was expected. So we are now at 6.1%. In Europe, down from double-digit territory last year, and my best guess is that we are below five already next month, and um, well, soon we might be headed towards target on inflation. Uh, the reason is that if we look at some of the forward-looking indicators for inflation, both in Europe and the US, we continue to get um, price negative signals from both companies and consumers. And um, if we start with the European Union, what I, I like to use as a leading indicator for the overall price pressure is the Spanish inflation. And why is that? Well, Spain uh, is a country that allows energy prices and fruit prices to very swiftly pass through to consumers. And um, that's been an ongoing theme throughout this inflation cycle that we've seen a spike in Spanish inflation ahead of European peers, but also a decline in inflation ahead of European peers as they allow the um, volatility in energy prices and food prices to pass through to the end consumer very swiftly. And uh, currently, the evidence is, is pretty firm from Spain that we should expect the overall price pressure in Europe to wane over the next uh, quarter or so. If you ask European companies, uh, you get similar signs right now. Uh, and that is um, one of the things that I've been looking at uh, throughout the week. Yeah, the um, evidence is, is relatively clear uh, if you ask companies both in the US and uh, in Europe when it comes to their price plans for the uh, upcoming period. So if we move to uh, the next chart on um, on price plans, then we have uh, first here the uh, price plans uh, among SMEs in the US. So this is taken from the monthly NFIB survey, uh, probably my favorite forward-looking indicator 
uh, on inflation in the U.S. since the survey is gathered uh, among SMEs with a large cost base related uh, to wage growth. Uh, and uh, 80% of the companies asked or surveyed in, in, in this survey um, are in the um, service sector. Uh, so this is also a measure of what we typically uh, deem to be sticky inflation. Uh, and on the chart here, you have the relationship between the survey and uh, the median inflation number uh, in the consumer price index. So the um, median value uh, of the consumer basket and the increase in that particular component on a running basis. And what you can see here is that uh, price plans are now declining rapidly, meaning that on a net-net basis, fewer companies expect to be able to hike prices over the period ahead. Uh, and that is something that typically spills over to lower consumer inflation after a time lag of in between one and two quarters. And if you uh, look at the left-hand axis, um, we should actually expect inflation to, to reach around 3% in median terms already in October or November in the US, which is pretty compelling evidence of disinflation, I'd say. If we look at the um, similar survey in Europe, uh, we actually got a, a new update uh, from the European Commission. Um, and the commission conducts this survey on a monthly basis, asking companies in Europe for their price plans, the exact same setup as the NFIP survey in the US. And on a net-net basis, only 7% of companies surveyed now expect to uh, to hike prices over the next two quarters. And typically, as you can see from the left-hand scale, that is a number that is consistent with inflation below the 2% target in Europe. That is quite the game changer relative to the inflation uh, that we experienced in Europe throughout 2022. Uh, and I think it will come as a surprise both to the central bank and to the public, basically, if inflation drops back below target already within uh, 2023. And uh, obviously, if uh, these forward-looking indicators are right, then we should obviously also expect this to have um, uh, an important bearing on the interest rate outlook uh, for the European Central Bank and for the Federal Reserve. If we look at the interest rate outlook for the European Central Bank first, then still after this very soft inflation print uh, this week, we have expectations penciled in for hikes both in June and in September. I think that is about as much as we should expect, um, two times 25 basis points in total. Uh, I would be extremely surprised to see them uh, delivering more than that, also given uh, the mediocre growth outlook. Uh, earlier this week, we received the confirmation that Germany is actually already in what you could call a technical recession with two quarters in a row of negative uh, GDP growth in real terms. So. Two hikes is the absolute maximum from here, um, given what we see on inflation and given what we see on growth in my perspective. If we if we look at the uh, similar picture for the Federal Reserve, then currently eight, nine basis points are priced for the June meeting. Um, is that too much? Well, at least it opens the door for uh, a potential rate hike, even though I think the Federal Reserve uh, aimed at a so-called skip at the June meeting. Uh, so a, a non-event without a hike, and then they would basically prefer to wait and see. Last week, we had some evidence that uh, could point in the direction of, of a hike, but I 
guess given what we've seen this week, the, the, the probability has clearly decreased again. And my base case is still that we've seen the last hike from the Federal Reserve already. Uh, so let's see, uh, they will probably decide to skip the meeting in June and then communicate that they will wait and see uh, whether further interest rate hikes are needed in uh, in months ahead. So the question is now whether this waning inflation pressure will spill over to less wage growth. Uh, and what we see right now is, is an interesting cocktail of uh, clearly declining headline inflation and still very sticky wage growth. Um, I guess the reason is that wage growth typically lacks the development in consumer prices. So first you see prices rising, and then after that you negotiate uh, a higher wage uh, growth. And if we look at the uh, European picture first, um, if we look at inflation versus wages in Europe, we now have early evidence, I'd say, of a slight decline in the momentum in wages. But just this week, we received the latest uh, indicator of so-called negotiated wages in Europe. Most uh, or a big part of the labor market uh, is covered by this um, statistic since wages are centrally negotiated for a lot of workers. And um, we got another big spike towards 4.5% on a yearly basis. But you need to compare that to the 10% inflation that we saw in Europe through 22. Uh, so this is still... Um, less than uh, a full um, a recovery of, of the inflation seen last year. But the wage growth is on the rise in Europe still, with few but very early hints of declining momentum into the second half of the year. So clearly, when inflation drops, if these forward-looking indicators on price pressures are correct, then wages will not follow suit immediately. It will take at least another couple of quarters before the wage growth starts uh, veining from a momentum perspective. And if you look at the uh, US picture, it's sort of the same, just with a slight bit more of evidence that um, wage growth has actually uh, started to decline. We're still running at, say, 6 to 7% annualized wage growth in the U.S., which is obviously too much um, for the uh, Federal Reserve. But the big and interesting topic uh, and the, maybe the big schism now is whether this is good or bad news. Because let's assume that wage growth runs at, say, 4 to 6%, both in Europe and in the U.S., over the next year Hey, everyone, we're going to take a quick break right now to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. I think we all know by now, things are pretty fucked out there for most of us. You see, whether it's currency debasement, rising real estate prices or wages that never go up, it's really hard. And one of the most popular things we ever did was that series How to Unfuck Your Future. So we're going to do it again. March 11th, March 22nd. We'll discuss the problems at hand, no holds barred, and then we'll give you all the tips you need to unfuck your future. It just costs a dollar to join Real Vision to get access to all of this content. Go to realvision.com forward slash the future. I'll see you there. Let's unfuck your future together. and headline inflation drops to 2%. Then we're back in so-called positive territory for the real wage growth, the wage growth minus the development in uh, prices at the shelf. And 
on the surface, that's obviously good news. Uh, you and I as a consumer uh, will be able to spend more uh, based on our monthly uh, wage uh, relative to a scenario where prices grow faster than um, than the wage growth. But the issue is that um, companies may start to struggle should inflation decline faster than wages. Remember that inflation is essentially a measure of the prices that companies are willing or are, are getting uh, from clients. Uh, so if the inflation drops and wage growth remains sticky, it should lead to uh, a, a pressure on corporate margins. Uh, and therefore, I'm not uh, completely sure that a drop in inflation is, is good news overall for the private sector. Uh, it's obviously good news for the consumer, but not necessarily for your employer, so to speak. And if we look at the empirical evidence of how various equity sectors perform when inflation starts to fade, uh, we get a very mixed picture across the uh, equity landscape in the US. So this is a uh, so-called beta study on inflation relative to returns in uh, various equity sectors. So if there's a light blue bar, um, it means that the return is positive when inflation rises. And if there is a dark blue bar, it means that the return is negative in, if inflation is on the rise. And currently with uh, declining inflation momentum, you should look to the sectors uh, at the bottom of this leaderboard to find uh, shelter um, because these sectors typically rely on cheap funding costs uh, and lower interest rates. Uh, and some of the uh, sectors worth mentioning here um, would be technology, uh, artificial intelligence as the ultimate high beta bet on this, and also consumer discretionary uh, stocks like Tesla and um, goods in the sort of upper tiers of, of the uh, Maslow's hierarchy. And on the other hand, uh, hand we have uh, classic um, industrial companies. We have uh, companies in the materials sector. We have companies in the energy space, et cetera, are suffering when inflation starts declining. Uh, so therefore, I, I think the empirical evidence is, is, is pretty much there to say that when inflation drops from say 6% to 2%, it's not necessarily good news on an aggregate basis for uh, most companies in the private sector. There are pockets of strength, uh, but there are also um, a, a majority of companies suffering from a margin perspective when inflation starts dropping. And you could actually showcase that um, uh, on, on the next page here, uh, because I've, I've looked into the profit cycle, both in Europe and the US relative to the development in real wage growth. So what you have on the chart here in all of the colored series is uh, the running real wage growth in European countries. So if it's above zero, it means that wages improve faster than inflation and vice versa if we are below zero. And uh, needless to say, 2021 and 2022 um, was a complete outlier from a real wage growth perspective, a massive decline in the relative price of labor compared to inflation. And I think this is the exact reason why the labor market has held up so strongly into 2023. If the price of labor drops relative to the selling prices of companies, obviously you demand more labor. Uh, and now that the tide has turned, as you can see, we're slowly but surely getting back towards positive territory. 
I also tend to think that the tide turns on the demand for labor. Uh, and the reason is the purple line. Uh, it is an aggregate measure of corporate profits in Europe uh, and the growth in, 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 in the profit uh, on a yearly basis. And as you can see, there is a tendency for profits to decline every time real wages improve. Uh, and I guess the reason is that the average cost base of a company uh, related to its wages increases relative to its selling prices every time real wage growth increases. So in sharp contrast to sort of the vanilla uh, conclusion, it is not necessarily good news on an aggregate basis that real wages increase. Uh, at least short term, it puts pressure on corporate, corporate profitability uh, and it could lead to a series of, uh, of layoffs as soon as the corporate profitability is compressed and uh, squeezed by this increase in real wages. And if you look at the exact same picture in the US, we have the real wage growth in uh, in light blue on the next chart relative to the corporate uh, profit margin growth in dark blue on a yearly basis. And as you can see, it's almost a perfect mirror image. Uh, so as soon as real wages pick up, um, it squeezes the profitability of your employer. So inflation might be headed down, but so will corporate profits and margins. And I think this could turn into the theme of the second half of the year uh, if my forward-looking indicators on inflation um, are right. Because with headline inflation, headed towards 2% both in the US and in Europe already towards the end of the year and wage growth in the range of say 4 to 6%, we will get to almost uncharted territory on real wage growth, meaning that corporate profitability will also take a hit. And I also think we start to see the first signs of cracks in the uh, global economy. Uh, I'm Danish and uh, I live very close to the Swedish border and um, we had numbers out of Sweden this morning suggesting that the Swedish economy is already in a recession. That is obviously not of relevance on a standalone basis since Sweden is a small country and no one cares. But the interesting thing is that Sweden tends to be a canary in the coal mine because of its very open and export-oriented nature. So you could consider Sweden the South Korea of the West, basically, since it is such an open economy with such a clear tie to the demand growth abroad. It sort of feels the heat from changing trends in global demand much earlier than peers with uh, a, a larger domestic uh, demand base, so to speak. And uh, if you look at the dark blue line here, um, we have the PMI from the Swedish uh, industrial sector out this morning, European time, and it printed at 40, so 10 index points below the 50 threshold. And the new orders component printed at 33, so miles below the 50 threshold, and typically something that screams contraction, recession, uh, and so on and so forth. Uh, so I think the actual production levels uh, will decrease in Sweden over the next quarter or two. And this could be a harbinger for um, other European countries and ultimately also the US. We received the ISM manufacturing numbers just before we went on air here, more or less, uh, from the US, and they surprised negatively. 
they also surprised on the downside when it comes to orders. Um, the orders component printed at 43, so seven index points below the 50 threshold. Uh, and if you look a bit ahead, um, given the details of the ISM report, uh, we should probably expect the headline index to print below 45 next next month. Also, if you look at prices paid in the ISM survey today, it uh, declined to 44 again. So prices are outright declining in the manufacturing sector. Um, very benign news for the Fed, at least from an inflation perspective, not as much from a uh, growth perspective. So all in all, if we summarize it in our uh, aggregate recession probability indicator for the uh, U.S. economy uh, as the last chart here. We're going to take another quick break to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. We are now above 50% uh, probability of a recession come Q3 2023. This chart is slightly forwarded in time uh, since what we measure here is the exact lag between various financial indicators and the subsequent um, decline or improvement in actual economic activity. And um, now we're running at plus 70% probability of a recession by Q3. So I'm starting to convince myself that it is a very high likelihood that we will enter a recession within, say, a month or two from here. Um, and typically that means that uh, rates will head lower. It means that bonds will start performing a bit better than what we've been accustomed to over the past few years. And it probably also means that you should seek shelter in equity classes, uh, relying on lower funding costs and lower inflation. And I frankly still think that technology and AI would be a, a perfect cost for that. So as the final thing before I allow for for, um, for questions, um, here's the updated portfolio dashboard uh, of Steno Signals. And as you can see, we've had a lot of luck um, riding this uh, wave of, of AI hype. Uh, we're along the WTAI ETF, uh, currently with a 7% gain over a week or so. Uh, obviously a bit uh, less good performing today. And then we're long TLT uh, since earlier this week. Um, so the, the the long end of the treasury curve, we're long the dollar um, here versus the CNY. You could have done it versus basically almost any other currency worldwide. And then we are also long Japan, the E. WJ at the bottom of the, of the board. Everything is very transparent in this dashboard. It, it is um, traded live and, and it is something that you can access at stenoresearch.com. I think those are the words for, for my presentation. Let's have a look at the questions uh, coming in. We have a question uh, from Paul. Um, CCJ is up almost 10% this morning. What's your view on uranium, lithium, lithium and copper right now? I think the price action uh, relates to the um, surprise numbers that we had from China uh, overnight. The Chinese manufacturing PMI printed at 50.9. Uh, in sharp contrast to expectations of a further decline below 50. And uh, that obviously spills over to to um, uh, the exact uh, part of the commodity space that Paul refers to here. So I'm not overly convinced that China will rebound like crazy if the manufacturing cycle is doing as bad as, as it is uh, on my indicators in the West. Uh, 
So I, I urge a bit of caution on on uh, this uh, this part of the commodity space right now. I I, I was very positive on. Uh, copper in, in particular, but also partly lithium uh, through January and into February. But we've uh, taken our profits on that bed and we are now uh, sidelined in commodity space. Uh, uh, we have a question on the sort of more medium term inflation picture, um, say one or two years ahead uh, outside of this uh, six month period that we've discussed today. Uh, and whether I see any risks of a reacceleration of inflation into, say, 24, 25. And I think this is a, a, um, a really good observation uh, from Nikhil, since everything now depends on the political reaction to declining inflation momentum. Uh, it is, of course, a tricky path to navigate for central banks and also fiscal policymakers when inflation slowly but surely um, moves towards the target of 2%. Should you start easing at 3% or is that a high risk uh, to do? And I, I still see a large probability of them easing too fast, both from a fiscal perspective and a monetary perspective. And if they've eased both fiscal and monetary policy at the same time, uh, we need to have the um, alarm bells ringing again when it comes to a, a risk of a reacceleration of inflation. So yes, the base case is still for me that we get a second wave of inflation, but I think it is a story for um, maybe the middle part of 2024 or thereabout. It also depends on the Chinese rebound. And so far, we don't have compelling evidence of China rebounding in a way that uh, allows commodities to reflate again. So I think, yes, we will, we will be back discussing inflation in 24, but for now, the uh, price action clearly moves in the other direction. Question from, from Jordan in relation to the participation of workers in the labor market. Uh, do you think given the um, participation rate that we will have any meaningful layoffs in the US, uh, it seems like we're pretty low on workers already, uh, according to Jordan. And, and I mean, still, if, if you look at the amount of job openings in the US, it still looks extremely elevated relative to earlier cycles. Uh, and given the um, relative price of labor, uh, as I discussed earlier, I think it's fair to assume that this cycle will look different from other cycles uh, when it comes to um, to the labor market. Likely, a lot of employers are still scared of not being able to recruit the right people. And therefore, I think this round of layoffs uh, will, will look relatively benign compared to, for example, 08 or uh, other uh, crises events. So I, I, I fully buy the narrative that employers will be a bit more conservative when it comes to layoffs uh, relative to other economic cycles. Last question from Batsirai. Um, <clears throat> will this uh, impact the 2024 crypto bull market? Um, and I, I, I actually think that that slowing inflation increases the probability of a bull market in crypto because slowing inflation also increases the probability that central banks will have to debase the fiat currency again to recreate inflation momentum. So should we get below 2% on inflation, that is clearly your clue to go long uh, crypto by a, by a mile. And uh, I, I think crypto is the ultimate high beta bet on a reversal of the course of both the European Central Bank and the Federal Reserve. Final question from Stephen. Will the rise of the gig economy 
and the lack of labor overall for SMEs? Do you see labor rates staying high uh, on a secular time frame? And <clears throat> sorry, I guess the dark horse here is uh, whether artificial intelligence will um, wreak havoc with the labor market. Currently, I don't see the signs of that, uh, but it's clearly a risk scenario over the secular time frame. And if AI wrecks havoc with the overall labor market outlook, then the rise of the gig economy and the lack of labor um, will be a story of the past very soon. So I think the jury is still out and um, we'll see in a few years from now. <coughs> Sorry, those were the words uh, from this week's editions of Steno Signals. We will be back again in a few weeks from now. Uh, next week is the Festival of Learning on AI. So Stephen, ask your question again next week. Remember that this is just a window into my trading and my thinking. Uh, I cannot guarantee that you have the same risk appetite as me, but I can guarantee you that we will follow the macro developments on an ongoing basis in Steno Signals. Thank you for watching. What's up, revolutionaries? Thanks for tuning in to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. For more content like this, head over to realvision.com and get unfiltered access to the very best, brightest, and biggest names in finance.